Welcome to the exploratory journey. In this episode, I'm joined by Chloe, who is a portfolio associate at Hustle Fund VC based in Singapore. She previously spent time working at Utrip and Airbnb and speaks about her journey into VC, her experience in the marketing side of startups, early stage startups in Southeast Asia, and provides advice to students looking to get into VC. So hi, Chloe, thanks for joining me. Would you be able to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Hi, thanks for having me, Vet. Um, yeah, sure. So um, I'm Chloe, I'm born and raised here in Singapore. And uh, I think, I guess like from young, I've always knew that I had a passion for people and that I was always very interested in like talking to people and learning new things about people. So um, after high school, like secondary school, depending on which part of the world you're at, I decided to pursue like a diploma in, in media and communications. So I did my, my diploma in Singapore Polytechnic here in Singapore. And I guess that helped me to tap on like this whole people passion where I could just like engage with other people through stories, through um, video production stuff as well. And that was really my first entry into what I thought was the workforce. So at the end of, in my last semester in, um, during my diploma, I decided, I mean, I had to do this internship program with the school in order to like graduate. And I ended up spending another six months, so like a year in total in a creative agency that I was interning at. And that was really then the beginning of like my entire career, I guess. Um, yeah, so I spent about a year in a creative agency doing like account servicing, client servicing, get, got to like test my waters a little bit on what um, the advertising industry was like. And I guess in my time there, I was like, okay, maybe like this is, this, is pretty, this is pretty interesting. These are things that I could do and these are things that I could learn. But I was just very curious as to like what was outside of this um, bubble that I felt that I was in. So after about a year in total in the agency, I was like, okay, let me just like, you know, take a step back and let me see if there's anything else that I would like to explore before I started to continue with my uni education. So this, that was what kind of sparked my whole idea of taking a gap year. So after my diploma, I decided to take a, I decided to take a gap year and I did exactly what I wanted to do, which was to explore a few other industries um, to try and I guess like while exploring and just like talking to different people, looking up different stuff on LinkedIn or any other job websites, I was very lucky to chance upon an, uh, an opportunity at Airbnb. And that's how I ended up um, with an Airbnb experiences internship, during which I traveled around Southeast Asia. I basically helped to manage the Southeast Asia experiences in this market, talk to different hosts, um, to like, engage, educate, and I guess just like empower them to build their businesses and to turn their hobbies into like, like revenue generating businesses and during this time that was I guess like my first um my first peek into what working in the region could look like and what kind of work I could possibly do that was outside of that bubble that I wanted to break out of and um after that I went to do a marketing internship with uh, Utrip which is a fintech payments company that's based in Singapore and Hong Kong and that time I learned a thing or two about the fintech industry it was really interesting the jargons were well, well, interesting to learn about, um, but that was also when I was like, okay, maybe fintech is not really my kind of thing, but that said, I did pick up some skills on the marketing side of things that I guess like um, helped me understand better of like the entire scene in general. And as I was working at Airbnb and Utrip, I started to get a little bit more curious about the startup ecosystem because these, uh, these companies are in a way like later stage startups. 
And I was like, all right, so what do early stage startups look like? What's this whole like scrappy experimental way of like doing work that everyone is talking about? Is there any way that I could get into this scene somehow? And I guess when I was just like thinking about these things and once again talking to people, I chanced upon once again this opportunity here at Hustle Fund, which is where I'm currently working at now. And um, so actually an ex-colleague at Airbnb referred me this current job. And I didn't exactly know what venture capital was before I stepped into it. All I knew at that time was I'll be doing something similar like what I did at Airbnb, which was basically helping businesses grow. And I was like, okay, that's like a that's a good enough like parallel for me to advance into something um like new and like learn new things. And um I try to do as much research as I can onto what VC was, but for what it's worth, a lot of my there was still a lot of gaps in my head. And I was like, okay, I should just pull into this and like try it. So yeah, and um so I've been here with Hustle Fund since September 2020. Not very long, I would say, because um the learning curve here has been pretty steep, but we could go into that a little bit more later. But it's a good kind of steep. And uh, I guess just like a large like overview of what I'm currently doing here at Hustle Fund is I spent about nine months working with a portfolio company, doing marketing with them. But I recently wrapped up my stint with them and am now like focusing more into the investment side of stuff at Hustle Fund. Yeah. That's a really interesting and varied career that you've had. And um, I wanted to kind of touch on your Airbnb experience because Airbnb is like over the past 10 years has blown up and it's really changed the way in which people travel and use air or use things like hotels and things. Um, what was it like working at Airbnb and particularly working in Asia in comparison to like the headquarters in um, in the US? And do you think that it, it helped you develop some skills which now you use in VC? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think all the skills that I learned in like different points of my life always accumulates and it always helps me to be better at my current job or like what I'm going to be doing next. But um, so I guess like to the first part of what, like how was it like at Airbnb? In one word, it was great. It was fun. It was exciting. Things moved um, really fast. It was quite fast-paced. And that's the kind of, like, I guess, the rigor that I like. Um, it was actually my first time working with a non-Singaporean company. And uh, it was... Hmm, I don't have just one word to describe how it was. But, that I, I mean, I was very, very lucky to be able to travel around the region. And I think it was these travels that helped me to see and like widen my perspectives on things like a lot like not just about who I am as a person like what can it, what I can achieve but also more about like how do other people in other cultures and other company I mean in other countries uh work how do they um interact with one another and that really sparked my I mean at the beginning I mentioned about this people passion that I had and I think this really like like this really hit the core of that that made me really like okay like I want to be able to do work that could in a way like influence or impact people no matter where I'm at and it was during my time at Airbnb that this belief that I had really took shape where I was like okay I can really go after a vision for like my career in this way and there's really like lots of opportunities out there that's outside of this like Singapore bubble that I felt I was in that I no longer think I'm in um, there's so many opportunities outside of here that I could explore um well Airbnb is really really huge so at that time Airbnb had four floors worth of like um office 
and uh, there were just so much interactions there's so much like movement throughout the entire day you could everyone is so so friendly I really love that and um, people are also very open to you asking questions and like very open to just having grabbing like 15-30 minutes of your time and just having a chat with you and I think that was also my first like peek into what networking was like because I knew that I could talk to people I knew that I could make friends but I didn't exactly I haven't really exactly that network before this um before my time at Airbnb so I guess great was an understatement um but Airbnb really helped me to identify like new learnings about myself about people around me about the regions and countries around me helped me to shape what kind of career I wanted to carve out for myself and also really helped me to like sharpen my people skills I guess because I mean VC is a people business and I picked up really a lot of like valuable learnings from my days at Airbnb that has transferred over in my like stints after that yeah this is really interesting to see how you've kind of use that experience to help yourself grow both personally and professionally and I'm sure that with the boom in startups in Asia that we're seeing currently your experience working outside of Singapore with other startups and with other people and just understanding the way in which other economies work has been really useful so I wanted to kind of move on to your current role which is at Hustle Fund VC which is an amazing VC fund which is doing some really cool stuff but initially what kind of got you into VC and how did you end up where you are today in this role? Yep Um, so I guess a lot of my core like pivotal moments kind of stem from my days at Airbnb so I'm just going to touch on that a little bit um, because there was a there was like in a way a bridge into what got me to VC now. So when I was at Airbnb, I was an experiences team, and uh, well, I managed or like I engaged with um the hosts in the region for their experiences, and um as I mentioned earlier, like the larger scope, like the larger the broader way of like saying how I how what what my scope was was. Basically, I help to educate, empower, and um, engage with these hosts in order to like build their businesses, and that was like really, really fulfilling for me. I feel like it was a very um two way learning kind of thing. It wasn't just me like doing stuff for a bunch of people, and then they just like go on and like um you know like like not say forget about me, but in a sense like it's not that. I mean, it, it was it was just very transactional. Like like I learned things from them, and they learned things from me, and that was just very very fulfilling, and um. I guess that also helped me uh, got to the core of like, what I want to do in my career, which is, you know, to do like whatever, to, to take whatever skill sets I have. I still, that, that these skill sets could change over time. It could um, be a completely different skill set when I'm like five, 10 years into my career versus what it's like now. But whatever it is, this skill set would be in a way like transferable to like anywhere I'm at. And the, the use of this skill set is to help empower others. So this is one thing that I'm very, very um, strong. I really, really strongly believe in. So when I first heard about what I would be doing here at Hustle Fund, what this role entails, and I guess just what like a venture capital fund in general does, it kind of ticked that, that box for me. Because I would see venture capital funds as organizations or funds who, you know, could provide like value adding um, services, whether it be it just like, um, I don't think it's just capital, honestly, there's so much more than, 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 than what like VC funds can give, but just like value, like it could just value add to businesses and help them grow. 
and that was like the biggest box that was ticked for me and I was like okay let me see like what else um like what other what other aspects does this role have and then the whole people part was kind of ticked as well because VC is a networking business you get to meet and talk to many many different kinds of founders and um, VCs as well you get to learn a lot and um, I think I think I took this up because I saw these two boxes ticked honestly like I didn't really think too much about like, oh, like what exactly would I be doing or like what, how exactly would I be growing? I mean, all these are like questions that I had, but I felt that as long as they, 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 as long as my first two boxes were ticked, I was down and I'm definitely, I was looking to go out of the marketing swing for a bit, like just trying to see what other industries could I go into and learn more about. And in this one, I would be working with a portfolio company to do marketing while also learning about a different um, industry which was VC and I was like why not right like let me just like jump on this and let me see what I can learn here and I think at the start of your career having kind of explored multiple different avenues it kind of helps you both figure out what you might want where you might want to take your career but also kind of the skills you pick up from every place is a bit different and although they build on each other, they're also a bit different and it's kind of good to build and expand your skill set. I'm yep. curious to know what your day to day currently like looks like as a portfolio associate and kind of what tasks you get up to. Right. Uh, well, honestly, it kind of varies from day to day. But so towards the end of the week. Uh, we have more meetings with the rest of the team which are based in the US so the end of the week for example like Wednesdays to Fridays are more of early mornings for me uh, whereas Mondays and Tuesdays I can start work a little bit later maybe like 10 a.m kind of thing uh, so usually the mornings would be for calls with 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 the team and then but if not for like Wednesdays or Fridays I would then wake up and then there would be like a list of um, I guess things that would have to be cleared or things that I want to like work on for the day and in the beginning I was like okay let me do like two or three like big tasks in one day um, let me block out like two hours and go for like a half an hour break and then come back and like you know continue like with the next thing on my list but that was obviously not sustainable because I over or like underestimate the tasks a lot and um, I decided to so now how I do it is that in a week I start the week with like a bunch of things that I would want to like learn or like get done maybe just like five things max and then I see at which pockets of time during the day I could like fit these in in the afternoons I'm usually not as productive in doing deep work I guess maybe like after lunch I'm just like super sluggish so I tend to take my calls in the afternoons like networking calls or like um internal meetings maybe just like um my, my colleagues and I just want to like discuss about a deal that we just saw yeah sure like all these calls would then happen in the afternoon and um well another thing about here at Hustle Fund is that because the team is so like um, distributed we mostly work remotely so that's great in helping me like be flexible with like how I you know like get work done so and especially in the last couple of months uh where work from home became like a thing because here in Singapore there was like a mini lockdown-ish um, so I don't necessarily, I guess, like end work after like 6pm or anything. I don't really see it that way. I see it more of like, you know, just like doing things um, when I have time to do it. So I guess after my afternoon calls, sometimes I, will, I mean, obviously I'll go for dinners um, and like do whatever like other social life stuff that I have. But when I come back, I like to read a lot personally. So I guess the nighttime is where I take time to like do that deep work that I couldn't really do in the day. Um, but 
or like I take the time to like read up on like different articles or just different like things that I want to you know like learn more about so it's actually really really fluid um and uh it's not like I some people are like oh yeah like working 24-7 I'm really not it's more of just me wanting to like learn more things and like reading more things and I just do that when I have the time too but uh yeah I hope that answers the question <laughs> yeah so it's kind of more like a a flexible kind of thing it's more like a lifestyle yeah. than a nine-to-five which is interesting to see I guess I'm, but sorry I guess also like as a portfolio associate one of the biggest things I mean the first like couple of months that I was here I was also working with a portfolio company so during that time there was like that whole more it was a lot more structured like oh I would spend the afternoons with the team and I would like work on things with the team and the mornings then would be for like hustle fun stuff but ever since that stint has like wrapped up then it got a little bit more fluid so I think that's what I mean by like it kind of changes it kind of varies there's no like fixed structure obviously it's also boils down to what's a priority at that point in time I also think that's pretty cool because like you've been able to work with a startup on helping them with their marketing which ultimately will help them grow but at the same time you're kind of doing stuff on the investment side or finding other startups or networking with founders which is like such a varied amount of things that you do which makes the job really interesting yeah Um, for sure yeah so I I wanted to because I've read a lot about Hustle Fund and how they've got a lot they invest in Southeast Asia and they also have a big presence in the US um, and they've just released some amazing merch which I had a look at Um, oh yes (laughs) um, yeah but could you tell could you tell our listeners a bit more about Hustle Fund what they do and because you're based in in Singapore kind of maybe touch a little on the differences between how they invest in companies in Asia in comparison to the US? Yep, yep, sure. So Hustle Fund is an early stage um, uh, fund that we, we invest in like pre-seed or seed stage companies and we typically write a very, very small check in the beginning. So it's just about 25k USD. So we write this small check and then we will work together with the portfolio company for about four to six weeks. And in this period of time is when I guess we could see if there's like a proper, for example, founder investor fit. Um, we could further validate whether or not this solution is a fit for the problem that the company is trying to solve, whether this problem is actually something that we see um, could give us like certain number of returns, for example. So this for six weeks is... Um, like pretty interesting you're going to learn a lot about each other as like founders investors and also about the product that they're trying to build um after which about 20 percent of the companies would then receive a larger check from us which ranges um anywhere between like 100k to like 500k max and like the full position that we have in a company is usually kept at 500k so um we are industry and sector agnostic i mean yes industry and sector agnostic um, we mainly invest in US, Canada, and Southeast Asia companies, even though in recent months, we have had a few investments in the African companies, but that's still quite like a new region to us, and we are still like learning a lot more about them, but uh, yeah, so what was the other question? <laughs> it was kind of just maybe the differences in right, investing differences. in US companies and Asian companies. Right. There's actually no difference uh, in terms of, I guess, like investment process. So like all these investment processes, regardless of region, is the same. But if you're talking about the kind of companies that we see, the kind of like industries that we see uh, to be a little bit different between the US and Southeast Asia, there's definitely a bunch of those. 
would you be able to say like kind of which industries you're seeing are the biggest ones which are growing in like Southeast Asia in comparison to in comparison to the companies you've kind of invested in in the U.S.? Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, I guess the Southeast Asia region in general is just a lot more nascent and a lot more younger than um, the U.S. So a lot of things here, I guess, outside of Singapore, like a lot of infrastructure in, in like the technology side of stuff is still being built. So we see a lot of um, companies coming up to support these infrastructures to help them continue to grow rather than to like fill in existing gaps. So maybe I could just like share um, some examples of companies that we have invested in and some companies that we, uh, some industries that we see like popping up recently. Yeah. All right, so in Indonesia, we actually, okay, so, okay no, my favorite, my favorite example is that bike in Vietnam because it's super cool. It's basically this, um, uh, this, I mean, okay, so Vietnam is like known for like their bike culture and there's already so many um, different types of bikes going on there. But this is like a very special case because that uh, uh, bike uses basically like performance bikes. It's a lot like, like cleaner and it looks really, really good. And uh, basically, it's just a, it's just like a different good alternative for um the Vietnamese to I mean like like to like use a bike, and uh it's done really really well. It's one of like our best performing um companies so far, and then in Indonesia there's LifePal, which is basically a financial services company, and um I mean insurance is like a very like can be a very boring very very basic thing, but it's also very very important and very essential to many people, and um. I guess in this region where we're just trying to get people more educated on how to um, get financially educated, maybe like uh, then LifePal came in at a good point to just try to like, uh, I guess like to help people to, you know, get like financially smarter. I, yeah, I think that's like the simplest way to put it. And then in Singapore here, there's a company called PropSeller. It's basically... Um, uh, property like like property tech here in Singapore and well property here in Singapore is like super expensive and there's like lots of like complicated um things they got to consider when you're getting property so prop seller basically helps people to like lower commission on getting like properties and also encourages better customer experiences while while, while doing so so like uh, I mean, I didn't go into too much details for these companies, but the very general idea is that like very, very basic needs of people in this region um, with like, I don't, I mean, because of how young everything is, you could just come up with like a very, very basic or like very, um, yeah, I guess like a very basic like solution to, to solve people's pains, which are things that I don't know. I don't think um, the US uh, ecosystem is kind of like at anymore. So it's like just a, a very different point where like, for example, if I were to use this, uh, if I were to introduce these uh, companies to like the US, it might be like, oh, like they're really this, this and that existing solutions. You don't really need something like that. But then in this region, it's just kind of like a little bit different. So then if you want to talk about like other infrastructures that uh, are kind of like being built in a sense, that's like still kind of like young, but it's growing and like it's starting to boom. Um, we're starting to see a lot of like logistics stuff coming up, a lot of FinTech as well. And a lot of, um, I guess the creator economy is also something that I'm quite interested in looking at. And I guess once again, it just boils down to like, so what um, are some like basic gaps in these regions that companies could come in to fill? What are these things that, you know, could like introduce new products that could delight someone in like their, 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 their journey in this like um, sector? 
yeah that's really interesting and I think it's kind of it plays upon kind of the cultural differences and where each economy is at and how far it's developed and also like what people do in different regions in their day-to-day lives because it's different in some aspects like you said in Vietnam like they have a big bike culture and tapping into that and creating something which can create a more a a better solution to it whilst in the US I am guessing bikes are probably not as big Um, and even if they were it's not like you can see the pictures because I've seen them where all the bikes are everywhere in Vietnam but yeah that's really interesting to see how they um how companies are like tapping into kind of the changing and evolving nature of consumer trends in these markets I wanted to kind of speak about your role at hustle fund again because you you did say it's kind of new you didn't have a full idea of what you were going to expect when you joined and of course that probably comes with a lot of challenges um what would you say some of your challenges are and how have you kind of overcome them wow um (laughs) I guess like uh I mean the 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 learning curve in a VC or like in the VC industry is quite steep and um, I think I was quite, I was caught quite like off guard in my first couple of months because I came in and I was like, wow, like this is <laughs> like, there's so many things to learn. There's so many things to like do, read up on, get like, you know, up to speed with before I can even like start to think that I could add value to the company. Um, but so like, I think for the first two months, maybe for the first month, I was just very overwhelmed. I was like, all right, like, where do I begin? Um, there's a lot of like imposter syndrome going on. I I wouldn't say it doesn't exist anymore. It definitely is still here, but I've learned to come to like better manage it. But um, yeah, so I guess the first month I was like super overwhelmed and then slowly I started to like talk to more people, talk to more like junior VCs as well. I started to learn a thing or two about how others are in a way learning about their own spaces. And then I started to like actively, I don't know, read up on some blogs, read up on some like Twitter um, accounts, Twitter threads, just to get myself more in touch with the scene. Um, I guess biggest challenge even to date even to now would be just like I guess like staying up to date with everything that's going on because there's always like so many things that's changing there's always so many different like I mean nuances in terms of like culture like what's happening in the US um, it's not going to translate directly over to what's happening here in the region and it's just very, very interesting for me to see how like the same problems manifest so differently in different regions. But in order to like really see these differences for myself, there needs to be a bunch of like reading or talking to people and learning more about these things before I can be like, okay, this and that is different in this way. So yeah, like constantly keeping abreast of like, like the trends and the news, that's um, it's a very interesting learning curve, I would say. And um, asking questions is just another thing that um, I've come to embrace and try to be better at every time I guess like I mean in someone was just talking to me earlier and asked me like what would I think were the top three qualities that the VC should have and asking questions being curious was one of these qualities that I pointed out because as a VC you're not just asking founder questions when you're taking a pitch you are also asking I guess like your teammates questions when you're trying to discuss about a deal when you're just trying to 
get each other's perspectives on things related to the fund. You are also asking questions when you're reading up on stuff, like what is it that you want to search? What is it that you want to know? And most of all, you're also asking yourself questions on like, how can you better shape your perspectives? How can you form like better like perspectives and better truths for yourself on a certain like, on a certain product, on a certain industry, on a certain company, like literally anything at all. And um, in the beginning, I had a lot of questions. I always do a lot of questions, but I didn't really know how to phrase these questions. And I was also very scared of like asking stupid questions because I was like, oh, what if I'm saying these and like, I come off as this like dumb little girl <laughs> who doesn't really know what she's talking about. But over time, I started to embrace the not knowing. And I think that's very that's a very important thing that um, we should embrace. Um, whether or not you're in VC, I think in general, uh, it's a very important quality that we need to like embrace more. So just asking asking questions and just learning learning things that you don't know and just forming better truths for yourself about these things. Um, I think these are the two things that stand out to me the most so far as being the VC. I also think that kind of like constantly learning and constantly finding out, particularly in VC where everything is changing and moving in the whole startup ecosystem, wherever you are in the world, is just really interesting and you you don't kind of have a typical day and it's not the same repetitive processes because everything even if you're investing in a new company they're probably doing something very different to the last company and it's all very very new and you don't get bored very easily which is something really interesting for students out there who might want to consider VC as a career do you have any kind of advice for students who want to consider VC as a career and like what to what to do yeah, I think um, I think in early stage VCs and in later stage VCs, they function very differently as well. So I'm only speaking from like the perspective of having worked in an early stage um, startup and VC. And uh, I guess some things or like some traits, uh, yeah, just some, some traits that you might need to have in order to really embrace this working experience in an early stage anything would be to enjoy the scrappy experimental process. I don't think I don't think everyone is cut out for this, but if you are the kind that are able to like just dive deep into things that's like super messy and just be like, okay, how can we figure things out together? How can I like where do I like where do I start? How do I like how do I start? Um, if you can embrace this kind of like culture, then early stage anything like startups or VCs would be great. But if you are the kind who really likes a little bit more like structure, who likes a little bit more, um, I guess like crunching numbers and just looking at data and just be like, have more like, um, not that early stage is not logical, but I guess in later stage, you just have more data points to help you make a more like sound um, decision as to whether or not you should invest in a particular company. So if you're more, if you're leaning more towards that side, then I guess that later stage PCs or later stage startups as well might work better for you. But that's just like for the two stages, I guess, in the VC in general, um, on top of, you know, coming curious and being able to like ask questions. And um, you would also need to, I guess, because like VC is a people business. So to a certain extent, you should also enjoy talking to people and enjoy like, you know, like learning about like learning about new things. I think I was just reading some form of some some articles and a lot of them echo the same thought, which is that the best VCs um admit things that they don't know and are able to find out about these things as well. Like are able to learn more about the things that they don't know. Because I think not everybody can very confidently say, okay, I don't know this, I want to learn more. But once you get to that point, 
it really unlocks like a whole field of like knowledge that you could tap into and it's so amazing when you're there um and uh, I don't think there's like a one, like there's one path to VC. There really isn't. So many people I know come into VC in like a, like a variety of ways. Like for me, I didn't really know what exactly VC was. And I came from like a non-finance background. So I came from like a marketing media background, but I was able to use this knowledge and these like skill sets to help me caveat away into um, the VC fund and just like add value as well to, to portfolio companies. So there's really no like, like typical track of like oh yeah I need to do like a finance or like econs um uh degree and then I need to go to like the top schools and then I need to like do this this and that I mean yes that is one way to do it but there's so many other ways as well and you just shouldn't limit yourself to just one way and like breaking into VC and um I guess okay I, I didn't really think about this before but a friend who I was speaking to like a, like last week or something was like breaking into VC is not as difficult as everyone thinks. You just have to like talk to people and like talk about the right things to the right people, I guess. And when I put that into perspective, I think that's also true. So I guess all this just comes sort of like centers around the point of being curious and um, being able to talk to people and also wanting to learn. Yeah. That's really good advice. And I, I, I do think that like every people going into VC coming from different routes and different avenues or bring a different perspective, which adds value in a different way, which is exactly what a VC fund wants to add value to its portfolio companies, but everyone thinks in a different way so they can come up with the best solution. Um, so yeah, you're also really um, passionate about traveling and you spoke about that with your Airbnb kind of experience and that kind of allowed you to travel and see other parts of Asia and it kind of plays into kind of the whole growth in Southeast Asia in startups is every country has their own little area uh, little sectors which are booming Um, and I know one which Grab which is now a few years old but has grown massively Um, but how has travel kind of shaped the way in which you see things in a professional light in terms of like VCs and investing in startups and how has it helped you kind of understand the startup scene better? Yeah, yeah. Wow, I love that question. I'm just going through a lot of like of flashbacks to my trips right now in my head. Um, so I started this VC job during the COVID season. So I actually have not traveled and like with, with this new light on what I know about the VC and startup space. But what I did was to travel around Southeast Asia a lot about a couple of months before this VC, um, um, before joining Hustle Fund. And those travels really helped me to uh, like understand how people in the different countries kind of interact with one another and helped me really understand how, um, like I think like the kind of things that they place importance of. So I guess... Um, okay, so when I was with Airbnb, I traveled for work and traveling for work is very different for traveling with um, tra- traveling for leisure. So I love to go to Bali on my own, but I also went to Bali quite a few times with Airbnb to like run some workshops. And it was just so interesting to see like what's on the other side of like tourism there, right? Like to talk to people on the other side of tourism and just to get a little bit like a peek into their brain on how they see like their, their businesses um, doing and how they want to grow it. Um, I also, I mean, and like interacting with a lot of these people also helped me to, I guess, understand like where their heart is at when they're, when, when, when they're like growing these businesses. And 
there so Bali was one place that I traveled to for work I also traveled to Vietnam to so like in Hanoi and Ho Chi Minh and I also dropped by like Hoi An which is like somewhere in the middle of um, the country and all these three places I guess before I went there I was like okay I'm going to one place Vietnam let me like see how things are like there but then I when I came back I was like okay I feel like I visited like three very very different places because the people in these um, places all um, are distinctively different in a good way and they have their own like characteristics they have their own like perspectives and their priorities I guess like when you're in like a like in a city for them like Ho Chi Minh um or like even Hanoi, your your priorities and like the way that you think about businesses will also be very different from when you stay somewhere like um near to the coast, for example, in like Hoi An. So these like nuances that I picked up helped me to think about businesses that I see, like startups that I see here um, as a VC a little bit differently. It just helps me to add some like flavor and color to how I to 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 yeah, just to like add some flavor to how I view them. Um, but that's it. I would love to still travel now and just look at things in a very different light. I think that would be a very different experience and I think I will see a lot more things very, very differently as well. So yeah, it remains to be seen. <laughs> where do you, where, where's the next place on your bucket list when you can finally get out and travel again? Wow. Um, this, I actually have two places. One would be Australia and one would be Taiwan. And these are not very connected to like the whole VC tech scene, but it's more of like the kind of life, the kind of like culture and life that, lifestyle that I would want to have that's a good break here from Singapore. Um, I guess because here in Singapore, it's like all the cities and like the tall buildings and I've been here for like, I've been stuck here for like a year and a half now. And I just want something a little bit more like naturey. So I guess Australia or Taiwan could be a good place for that. And it's nice to get out and explore and kind of that taps into the whole curious thing. You just want to find out more and explore. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. So finally, I always like to ask this question because it's really interesting. What motivates and inspires you? What motivates and inspires me? It's quite a broad question, I know. Yeah, it is. My first, the first thing that I thought was people. I think like back to the whole like people passion that I talked about. I think what got me into that, what got me into media and communications in the first place was because I strongly believe that every person has a different story and these stories are shaped from their own experiences and their own perspectives, which, you know, it's kind of like a cycle, right? Like you experience things that shape your perspective and you have a perspective that help you experiences that have you experience things and this just like keeps going on. And I see so much value in sharing these stories beyond like just once like inner circle or just once like just like to stay within one's brain like these things should be shared and these things should be transactionally like um like I mean you should just always like share and like explore different angles of things with other people so people motivate me because their stories I think no matter how big or small always hold so much just helps me shed so much light on who they are as people and help me see their perspectives on things and eventually help me shape a better perspective on things. So yeah, I guess that people's um people motivate and they inspire me, definitely, no doubt. And um uh I guess like I guess COVID also really helped me think about things a little bit differently. Um spending a lot more time at home, spending a lot more time with like my my innermost circle, um, not just like my family, but like my friends as well. 
and just helping, just letting me like see how each each person kind of goes through this whole season so differently, was like a was very inspirational to me as well. Like I said, to um pick up certain like perspectives and pick up different uh ways of thought that they had that made me go like okay maybe whatever I'm experiencing now isn't that tough because um I have this this and that to help me like combat this or like okay maybe I don't really want to do this in the near future because. My priorities have shifted, and um, I get to see these exciting things that people around me are like doing, and I feel very inspired and motivated to do that myself. So I guess yeah, the short answer is people. The long answer is people at different points of my life have motivated and inspired me differently. That's really cool, and yeah, it it, it totally makes sense why you're such a people person and why you found <laughs> the aspect of VC so interesting and that you love it so much is working with other people and I think it's just such a great skill to have is being a people person regardless of where you are in life or what you're doing just talking to other people is such a great way to find out new things and grow as a person and also help other people grow yeah. it's been amazing talking to you um thank you so much for coming on the podcast it was great to hear all your insights about how you've ended up in vc and all the amazing things you've done before that and i'm sure our listeners will find so much value in the advice you've given so thank you so much thank you for having me Thank you for listening to The Exploratory Journey, and I hope you have enjoyed this episode. Please make sure to follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure to follow all our social media channels on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn to stay up to date with our future episodes.